at five, Professor Purdy. All those awful archaeological names. How I wish something exciting could sometimes happen. Miss Martindale's door opened. I see I have a memo here, Sheila. If Miss Pebmarsh is not back when you arrive, you're to go in. The door will not be latched. Go in and go into the room on the right of the hall and wait. Can you remember that? Or shall I write it down? I can remember it, Miss Martindale. Miss Martindale went back into her sanctum. Edna Brent fished under her chair and brought up secretly a rather flashy shoe and a stiletto heel that had become detached from it. "'However am I going to get home?' she moaned. "'Oh, do stop fussing. We'll think of something,' said one of the other girls, and resumed her typing. Edna sighed and put in a fresh sheet of paper. Desire had him in its grasp. With frenzied fingers, he tore the fragile chiffon from her breasts and forced her down on the soap. "'Damn!' said Edna, and reached for the eraser. Sheila picked up her handbag and went out. Wilbraham Crescent was a fantasy executed by a Victorian builder in the 1880s. It was a half-moon of double houses and gardens set back to back. This conceit was a source of considerable difficulty to persons unacquainted with the locality. Those who arrived on the outer side were unable to find the lower numbers, and those who hit the inner side first were baffled as to the whereabouts of the higher numbers. The houses were neat, prim, artistically balconied, and eminently respectable. Modernization had as yet barely touched them, on the outside, that is to say. Kitchens and bathrooms were the first to feel the wind of change. There was nothing unusual about number 19. It had neat curtains and a well-polished brass front door handle. There were standard rose trees each side of the path leading to the front door. Sheila Webb opened the front gate, walked up to the front door, and rang the bell. There was no response, and after waiting a minute or two, she did as she had been directed, and turned the handle. The door opened, and she walked in. The door on the right of the small hall was ajar. She tapped on it, waited, and then walked in. It was an ordinary, quite pleasant sitting-room, a little over-furnished for modern tastes. The only thing at all remarkable about it was the profusion of clocks. A grandfather clock, ticking in the corner, a Dresden china clock on the mantelpiece, a silver carriage clock on the desk, a small fancy gilt clock on a whatnot near the fireplace, and on a table by the window a faded leather travelling clock with rosemary in worn gilt letters across the corner. Sheila Webb looked at the clock on the desk with some surprise. It showed the time to be a little after ten minutes past four. Her gaze shifted to the chimney-piece. The clock there said the same. Sheila started violently as there was a whir and a click above her head, and from a wooden carved clock on the wall a cuckoo sprang out through its little door and announced loudly and definitely, Cuckoo! 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 The harsh note seemed almost menacing. The cuckoo disappeared again with a snap of its door. Sheila Webb gave a half-smile and walked round the end of the sofa. Then she stopped short, pulling up with a jerk. Sprawled on the floor was the body of a man. His eyes were half-open and sightless. There was a dark, moist patch on the front of his dark grey suit. Almost mechanically, Sheila bent down. She touched his cheek. Cold. His hand, the same touched the wet patch and drew her hand away sharply, staring at it in horror. 
At that moment, she heard the click of a gate outside. Her head turned mechanically to the window. Through it, she saw a woman's figure hurrying up the path. Sheila swallowed mechanically. Her throat was dry. She stood rooted to the spot, unable to move, to cry out, staring in front of her. The door opened, and a tall elderly woman entered, carrying a shopping bag. She had wavy grey hair pulled back from her forehead, and her eyes were wide and a beautiful blue. Their gaze passed unseeingly over Sheila. Sheila uttered a faint sound, no more than a croak. The wide blue eyes came to her, and the woman spoke sharply. "'Is somebody there?' "'I... it's...' The girl broke off as the woman came swiftly towards her and round the back of the sofa, and then she screamed. "'Don't! Don't! You'll tread on it! Him! And he's dead!' Chapter 1 Colin Lamb's Narrative To use police terms, at 2.59pm on September...